0: So my name is Jeremy, and I'm one of the pastors here on staff, and I've got some great news for you guys, okay? We have a move-in date for our new building. Absolutely, absolutely. You guys want to know what the date is? All right. May 1st will be our first weekend in our new building. Now, the good news is that's two weeks away. The bad news is that's two weeks away. And so here's the deal we've got to be great at telling our friends, our neighbors, our people in our community groups, people that we serve with, people that we like, even the ones we don't like, we've got to tell them our first Sunday in our new building is May the 1st. Because on May the 1st, we don't want 15, 5, 10, 20, 100 people. We don't want anyone showing up at this location wondering what happened. So we basically have two weeks to let everyone know Where we're going to be at, we're going to be at 1500 North Market on May the 1st, same service times as always, 9 and 1030. And so what if you guys could do, I need you to do more than just know this information, I need you guys to share this information. So tweet it, Facebook it, email it, post it on whatever your preferred social media platform is, but let people know May 1st, we're at 1500 North Market. Can you guys do that for me? Awesome. Thank you very much. And as we've been talking about, last Sunday was our Pledge Sunday for the Creating a Legacy project. And if you weren't here and you didn't get a chance to fill out a card or something like that, don't worry, you still totally get to participate. We've got a table set up out there in the lobby, you can fill out a pledge card and just kind of let us know, hey, here's what I'm committing to give above and beyond my regular giving so that we can move into this new building, so that we can get it all set up and ready to go over this next year for making everything wonderful and great, I have I think we said, yeah, we said $200,000 over the next year is what we're trying to raise so we can move in and get everything situated the way we want. Get the children's spaces built out, get some really nice sound and uh, video equipment. A lot of the stuff that we use here every Sunday belongs to the Benvenuti. We're not allowed to take it with us as much as we'd want to. So this is what that money's going towards. But once again, May the 1st is the date, and now we're going to transition and switch to the topic for the day. Think back to when you were a kid, okay? And if you can't remember that, think back to when you had kids or think back to your grandkids or something like that. But do you remember the first time that you realized that there was a gap between what you knew how to do and what you were expected to do? There was a gap between, okay, here's what I'm comfortable with and here's what's, here's what's expected of me. Like we all say, we all start off like when we're little kids thinking, okay, I'm going to be an astronaut, or I'm going to be this, or I'm going to be that, and then there comes that moment where you're like, oh wow, astronauts have to be really good at math, science have to be physically in shape, they have to be this, and you're like, maybe I can just watch a movie about an astronaut, or something like that, you know, there's the gap between what we know, and what we're comfortable with, and what's expected. I remember for me, I had this experience where when I was in third grade, my grandfather had a heart attack. And we lived in Indiana, and he lived in Missouri. And so he ran a 200-acre farm. So my family moved from Indiana back to Missouri to help him kind of run the farm, help him get back on his feet, make sure everything was good to go. And when I moved from Indiana, Indiana is a state that is obsessed with basketball, okay? Everyone plays basketball. It's kind of like football in Texas or Florida or something like that. And so I moved from Indiana where I was like this average, okay kid, nothing special, to the state of Missouri, where they don't play basketball a whole lot. It's not, like, an obsession. And all of a sudden, I went from okay average player to I was really good. I could dribble with both hands. I could do all this kind of stuff. And so we lived in Missouri for a couple of years, helping my grandfather out. And I was a really good basketball player, not because I was better, but because I had learned skills at a younger age that these, these other kids were just learning. And so we lived in Missouri for a couple of years, and then we moved back to Indiana, and it was middle school. And so I moved back to Indiana, and I'm like, I'm trying out for the basketball team, and you know, I'm good at this. And all of a sudden, I realized, no, I am not good at this. Because that entire time I'd lived in Missouri, I'd spent this time basically not developing any further skills. I was just coasting off the fact that I could already do things the other kids couldn't. I moved back to Indiana, and these kids have been going to the camps that I haven't been going to, they've been practicing things that I haven't been going to, they've been receiving coaching that I hadn't received. And I realized, okay, there's a gap between what I know how to do and what I'm comfortable with and what I'm prepared for and, there, and everyone else. And there's these moments in all of our lives where we're, we have this opportunity to step out into something new. We have these opportunities where we feel like God's calling us into something. And we take a look at what we're comfortable with. We take a look at what we know how to do. And then we take a look at what's expected or we take a look at what's going to be required. And we have this moment where we're like, ooh, I don't know. I don't know if I'm capable of that. I don't know if I'm ready for that. I don't know if I have what it takes to do that. And so what we're going to be looking at today and what we're going to be looking at next, this next week is what do we do when we need to step out, when we need to step up, when we need to move into a new direction, but we're not really sure what to do. And the good news is, is we are not the first people to ever face this. In fact, the Bible is full of examples. And I want to take a look at one example in particular of a guy who said, okay, I'm in a new situation. I'm not quite sure if I know what to do. And so the very first thing we're going to look at is, to, you don't have to turn your Bibles there because we're just going to look at it for just a second. But in Deuteronomy chapter 34, verse 5, we st- here's where our story gets started. And this is what it says. Now Moses, the servant of the Lord, died. We're not talking about Moses so don't worry this is not a very depressing sermon, okay? But this is where our story starts. So Moses has just died. Moses is the leader of Israel. In fact, he's been the only leader of Israel. For the last 40 years, Moses has led Israel. If you've ever seen any of the movies or remembered any of the stories from a kid, Moses was the one that went toe to toe with Pharaoh and Pharaoh was the most powerful man on the world. Moses was the one that led Israelites out of slavery in Egypt. Moses was the one that parted the Red Sea. Moses was the guy that brought down the Ten Commandments from on top of the mountain. Moses was their leader for 40 years in the desert. And now, all of a sudden, Moses has died, and his assistant Joshua is put in charge of Israel. Okay? Think about this. For 40 years, Israel's only known one leader. And before that, they were slaves. So it's not like they could say, well, back in the day, you know, we had this guy. No, Moses had been it. Now think about this. This is an election year in America. And just think about how many friends and family that you know that are completely losing their minds over who's going to be our next president. And we do this every four years. So we've got some experience. We've got some, like, built-in record of, okay, yeah, we do this four years, and four years we're going to do it again. Israel had never done this. Israel had never switched leaders. Israel had never had someone step into a new role of, I am the leader of all of this. And so this is Joshua. Joshua's in this moment right now where, hey, For the last forty years, I've been around Moses. I've got to see what he's done. I've got to be the number two guy. But I'm comfortable with this. This is what I know. And now I got to walk over here, and it's man, it's one thing to be an uncle and and get to see your brother raise some kids. It's quite another thing to be a dad yourself. And so, like Joshua's thinking, okay, I'm not Moses. Do I have what it takes? I was listening to a reading about this performance coach once, and he was talking about uh, his work with professional athletes, his work with high-level executive officers and companies and stuff like that, and how he would help them get to perform to the peak of their abilities. And he said that one of the first things that he would always do when working with a client is to ask them this question, what is the blank next to your name? What is the blank next to your name? And he says how they would answer that question and how they would fill in that blank would tell him a lot about where he needed to start working with them. So, for example, you would have someone like this, like in our story, my name is Joshua and I'm blank. In this case, we kind of know what he thought. My name is Joshua and I'm not Moses. That's how Joshua is going to fill in his blank. He knows who he is. He's like, I'm not Moses. Moses. And honestly, all of us have that same blank next to our name, where we feel God's calling us into new situations. We feel God's asking us to step up and be a part of new opportunities. We feel like God might be speaking something to us, and we have this blank next to our name. And how we fill in that blank determines a lot about how we follow God and where we go in life. And as I've been looking and as I've been studying, and I've kind of come up with three ways that we tend to fill in our blank. Now this is not exhaustive, this is not an entire list, but it's three common ways that I see people fill in their blank. The first way that I see people fill in their blank is they compare. The first thing they do is they compare. And this is exactly what Joshua was doing. My name is Joshua, my blank is I'm not Moses. In our situation, maybe someone's asked you to step up and consider being a community group leader here at Adventure. And what you're doing is you're looking over at the rock star community group leader. You know, the one that he or she prays and 14 people get saved. They invite someone over to their house and like, hey, you know what, just come on over. And you arrive and there's like a five-course meal laid out. And they're like, yeah, I just kind of threw this together after work, you know, in the last 20 minutes. And Or you're looking at it and they're like, every time they speak, like you're like, that is the smartest thing anyone has ever said. And you're like, I'm supposed to be a community group leader, and I, I can't do what, what he does. I can't do what she does. And the first thing we do a lot of times is we compare. We look at ourselves, and then we look at someone who's way, 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 way better, and we're like, I don't know if I can do this. I don't know if this is me. I don't know if I'm ready for that kind of situation. You know what, maybe the best thing for me to do would be to do nothing at all, because there's no way I'm going to be able to do what they can do. The other t- thing I see people do sometimes is if they don't compare, they compromise. And in this situation, it's kind of similar, but it's a little bit different. When people compromise, it's God will ask them to step up and do something. Hey, I want you to start serving with kids. Hey, I want you to really reach out and talk to a friend at work and invite him to church or something like that. God asks us to do something that's uncomfortable. God asks us to take a step in our journey and our faith. And what we do is it's we, we agree with God, but we stay where we are. Like, yeah, God, I agree. that Someone needs to do that. But, ooh, man, God, I'm really busy in this season of my life. And, God, you just don't understand. Like, we, we we try to explain to God how the universe works as if he didn't know. and Or we'll do this thing where we're like, hey, you know what? I'm kind of... I'm kind of scared that that's probably not what I need to do. We do this thing where we, we stick with what we know. If you've ever seen a little child who's trying to learn how to walk, you'll, you'll understand this. Crawling is safe. Crawling is what I know. Crawling has worked very well up until this point. And now you expect me to get up on two legs and stumble about, and it's very uncomfortable, and it looks dangerous, and I'm going to probably fall, and I'm going to hurt myself. No, I'm going to stick with crawling. But oftentimes God's calling us to walk or to run. And he says, hey, look, the opportunities with walking, the opportunities with running are so much better. But we're like, no, let's stay here. This is safe. This is what I know. I don't want to risk going further. And so we compromise. We agree that, yeah, maybe maybe for some people running's a good thing. Maybe for those super Christians, you know, walking and running. But I like to crawl. I like to kind of stay here. We get invited to go into the amusement park and ride the rides. But we're like, you know what? The parking lot is safe. I've seen cars before. I know cars. Those roller coasters look crazy. And so we take what God's given us, and we stay right where we are. We compromise. The third thing I see people do when God invites them into a new step or to step up into a new season is that we cower. And let me explain this one, because this happens so often, it's almost like clockwork. You have somebody who falls in love with Jesus, and they really like the benefits they're receiving from Jesus. Hey, I found some friendships. I've been able to start growing. And all of a sudden, they're like they're on fire. They're growing. Things are good. They're building things. And then they hit this point where God asks them to start dealing with something in their life that's painful. He's asking them to take a step, and it's going to hurt. Because he's going to ask you to take, take a step with something that in your past has been a little bit of a pain point, a little bit of tension. And for you, it could be anything. Like, maybe you grew up in a crazy, dysfunctional home, and so God's starting to ask you to start figuring out what, what do healthy relationships look like. Or maybe for you, you grew up in a very poor uh, home, and, and God starts asking you to say, hey, I know you've been trusting me with a lot of things. I want you to start trusting me with your finances now. And we get to this point where it's like, okay, this is painful for me, and we turn and run the other way. And I see this thing where it happens, and it's almost on like an 18 to 24-month cycle where people, they'll, they'll come to a new church, they'll start to grow, they'll start to get really involved, they'll start to find things, they'll hit their pain point, and they'll say, ooh, I can't be here anymore, this is too painful, and then they go and they find a new place, and then they start the same cycle over again. And literally, I see it, it's about on an 18 to 24 month cycle, where God's asking them to step up and take a new direction, but they're so scared of what that could potentially mean, they're so scared of what's on the other side, that they just turn and run in the other direction. And so for a lot of us, there are steps and opportunities God's asking us to take. I don't know what they are for each and every one of us individually. But I do know that a lot of us, we tend to react like this. We have this situation where God's asking us to be somebody. God's asking us to do something. And we're like, I just don't know if I can. I'm not her. I'm not him. I'm not disagreeing with you, God. but My life right now, that's just not available. Or, God, I just need to run. And I've got to ask myself, isn't there a better way of living life? Isn't there a better way to do this than to always just run away or to compare or to hide or to compromise? Isn't there a better way? And the other question that runs through my head is, what about when I'm right? What about when I'm not being modest, that person really is better at doing the job than me. I'm not being modest, I really don't know what to do in this situation. What about when we're right? And what God tells Joshua in this moment applies not just to Joshua, but it applies to each and every single one of us. And so if you have a Bible, we're going to be looking at Joshua chapter 1. If not, it's going to be on the screen, or if you want to use your phone or tablet or what other device. Joshua chapter 1, starting at verse 6. And what God tells Joshua in this situation works for all of us. Here's what it says. Here's what God speaks directly to Joshua, starting at verse 6. Be strong and courageous. For you are the one who will lead these people to possess all the land I swore to their ancestors I would give them. Be strong and very courageous. Be careful to obey all the instructions Moses gave you. Do not deviate deviate from them, turning either to the right or to the left. Then you will be successful in all you do. Study this book of instruction continually. Meditate on it day and night so you will be sure to obey everything written in it. Only then will you prosper and succeed in all you do. This is my command. Be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid or discouraged. For the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. All right, that sounds like a great rah-rah pep-up speech, but there's some things in there that I think we really need to hold on to. There's some things in there that if we pull out and apply to our own lives, we're going to be able to take the steps that God is calling us to do. Here's the first thing that we've got to pull out. Let God fill in your blank. We all have this blank next to our name like I was talking about. My name is Jeremy and I'm blank. Look back at those verses. Look what God does for Joshua. This is the, uh, verse 6. Be strong and courageous for you. He's telling Joshua who he is. For you are the one who will lead these people. God tells Joshua who he is. You're going to be the one that leads these people. If God is calling you to do something, he's told you who he sees you as. You are the community group leader. You are the one that needs to have the conversation with your co-worker. You are the one that can mentor third graders. You are the one that can start to reach out to your neighbors. If God is calling you to do something, he's told you what he sees in you. Let God fill in your blank. See, a lot of times, like we said, well, I'm not Moses. He doesn't need Moses. He said you. He's told you who you are. He said, he tells Joshua, you are the one that will lead these people. The second thing I see that from this that, that we can learn from what God tells Joshua is that we need to spend regular time with God. If you look at those verses, he tells them continuously, study this book, meditate on these words, obey these things that I've given you. It's very, very hard to have the courage and strength to step out into the unknown if we do not spend time with the one who created us. Because every person around us will tell us what they think of what we should be doing. I mean, let's face it, no one's like ever will come up to me and be like, Jeremy, I can't find a single opinion about the rest of my life. No one will tell me. You know, everyone tells you what they think you should do because it costs them nothing. Everyone's more than happy to tell you what you should do with your money, your life, your time, your family, because it doesn't cost them anything if they're wrong. And so most people suffer from opinion overload. And let's not face it, like every single commercial is telling you what's wrong with you and what you need to do. And fix it, you just buy this product and it'll magically go away. You've got to spend time with God if you're ever going to hear clearly who you are. Joshua was told by God, spend time with me. Read scripture. Spend time in prayer because you have to be strong and courageous. You are the leader of these people. They're going to take their cue from you, Joshua. So be strong and courageous. You're the leader. Spend time with me. Because when you spend time with me, you're going to be able to do the things that I've called you to do. And that leads us to the third thing that I kind of get from there. If you look at verse 9, there's something really interesting that I think people might pass up, but it's, it totally changes the world. Verse 9, do not be afraid or discouraged, for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. Why can you be strong and courageous? Why can you stay away from fear and discouragement? Because God is with you. Now, here's the thing. There are moments where I look at my life and I know I'm not good enough. And I'm right. Telling myself, believe in yourself, is no good. I can't do it. You know, there's just no point in me pretending otherwise. But God can. And what God is telling Joshua is like, look, (laughs) very few people, in fact, probably no one, is born qualified to lead an entire nation. What's making you special, Joshua, is not your inherent skill set. What's making you special is the fact that I will be with you always. And so there are moments and there are things that God is calling each and every single one of us to step up and do. And we're like, but I'm not good enough. And God says, I'm not depending on you. I know who I am. And if I'm with you, you don't have to worry about this. Think back to when, um, like I said, if you've ever been around small kids or something like that. there's that moment where you're like, I am going to start teaching my kid how to help out around the house. Because one day they're going to need to do this, one day I'm not going to want to do this, and I would like to have someone step in and be able to help. And so there's that moment when, like, your kids are like four or five or six or seven, or depending on the task, maybe even older, and you ask them, hey, come help me do the dishes. And you know for a fact they can't do the dishes. You know for a fact that it's actually going to take a lot longer and it's going to take a lot more work for you to let them help you do the dishes. But the idea is you're not actually inviting them in because you think they're going to do such a great job. You're inviting them in because you want to see them grow and develop this skill. You're inviting them in because you want to see them become more than what they currently are as a four- or five-year-old. There are times when God invites us in and we're like, you know what, God, I can't do this. And he's like, yeah, you're right, absolutely. But one day you're going to be able to, and I'm going to be with you, and we're going to start working on it right now. And so, yeah, it's going to be 99.9% God and 0.1% you, but that's okay. I'm not expecting you to get this right on the first time. I'm expecting you to stay close to me, follow me, and then see how it's done. All of us have these opportunities. All of us have these moments where we can step into a situation. And see, the thing that we have to understand, and if you could take one thing away from today, it would be this. Who God is matters more than who we're not. Let me say that again. Who God is matters more than who we're not. Because Joshua could say, look, I'm not Moses. I'm not ready to lead. I'm not comfortable with this new set of responsibilities. I'm not sure I need to stick around and have to face this situation. And God says, I know who you are, but who I am matters more than who you're not. Who God is matters more than who we're not. Now, let me give you a real practical, real-life, this-week example of that. You may or may not have heard, but we're moving into a new building. Okay? We've never moved into a permanent facility of our own. For 13 years, we've always used rented facilities, borrowed things, stuff like that. Are we 100% ready, and are we going to get everything right the very first time we move into our new building? Probably not. We'll probably get in there and be like, that was dumb. All right, let's fix it. Or something like that. We're gonna, there's going to be situations where we're like, ugh, I honestly don't know what to do here. But who God is matters more than who we're not. We've seen God open door after door after door, both literally and physically and metaphorically, to get into this new building. There's a lot of things that happen that's like, there's no way we should have been able to get this. But God opened the door. And so we're going to keep trusting that who God is matters more than who we're not. No, we are not the smartest people to ever walk the face of the earth. But it doesn't matter because God has got this. And so we're going to follow and we're going to trust. For some of you guys in here, you you need to step up. Not because I'm up here on the stage telling you to, but because God has asked you to step out into a new situation. And if God is the one that's asking, he's going to take care of the details. You stick close to him. You follow him. You trust that what he's doing is going to be good enough and great enough to take care of what you are not capable of. For some of you guys in here today, the thing that we most need to focus on is taking that very first step of trust. God's been inviting you in to make Jesus the Lord and Savior of your life, and you've never actually followed through. You're like, you know what, I kind of like this place, kind of like some of the people I'm meeting, kind of like this idea of not having to live life with chaos and panic all the time, and so this idea of following a Jesus, I kind of like that. But you've never taken the courage to say, you know what, I'm going to step up today. I'm going to make Jesus the Lord and Savior of my life. And if that's you today, my prayer is that just in a second, we're going to have a time of prayer. And I I, I pray that you would come forward and make Jesus the Lord and Savior of your life. Our prayer team will be down here. We would love to pray with you, but do not walk away from this opportunity. God has got you. You're like, I don't know what I'm going to do as a Christian. I don't know how to, how to be a Jesus follower. That's okay. God didn't say you had to know it all. He said, just follow. Just take that step of faith. We would love to pray for you with that. So I'm going to say a prayer. Our prayer team's going to come forward. The band's going to play. And if today the decision you need to make is to make Jesus the Lord and Savior of your life, we would love to pray with you about that. Let me pray. Our dearly Father, Lord, thank you for the strength and the courage that you give us. We don't have to know everything. It's obvious we don't. But we can trust the one who does. We can trust someone who says, be strong, be courageous. We can step up into the life that you have for us. And so, Lord, that is my prayer, that each of us would take whatever step is necessary to live more fully into the life that you have for us. In Christ's name I pray. Amen.